We're here at City Field a little after four as we get ready for uh, the final Subway Series game of the year. What we need is a little A-Rod, and he joins us now. Alex, welcome. How are you? Uh, what's up, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I can't complain. I'm down here uh, in South Florida, and we have a beautiful, warm day. All right. What do you, what do you as you look at your uh, old team right now, what are you seeing? Well, I, I'm seeing the team that's playing with uh, their hair on fire. They're having a lot of fun. Last night was was a big win for us, and a and, and a big big double there by TD and uh, and a big one by uh, or a big right fielder. So it was um, so far so good over the last four or five games. You know, let me start with Didi, who has become a tremendous player and really one of the real unsung heroes and has gotten so many big hits. I can remember back to when Didi came here and he was just completely lost and uh, you had a big hand in working with him, tutoring him on game situations, taking him out on the field where this guy was having trouble. He was having trouble running the bases, no less doing anything constructive. I mean, he was really struggling, and he has turned it around and become he's become an all-star player. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things we talk about when we bring in players. We, we want six tools, right? The six tool is the ability to play in New York because it's truly different. It's the hardest market to play in, and – you know, Mike, sometimes it gets so confusing you can't even think straight. And to your point, uh, he was having a hard time even staying on his feet, running the bases. Um, that's that's how confused he was. But, you know, over time, I think Carlos did a tremendous job with him and his hitting and his approach. I went out a few times early and helped him at a shortstop. But, again, with, with a guy with that much talent, it just takes a little nudge or a little push, and uh, he's been outstanding. It's gotten some attention, your meeting or your uh, time you spent with Sanchez. Uh, he looks a lot better this week at the plate. Still struggling a little bit at times behind the plate as far as, uh, you know, him gloving the balls and everything. But uh, what what did you what can you share about what you uh, talked to him about? I mean, I, I'll leave the, the main details out of it, Michael, obviously, because it was a private lunch. But, I mean, the synopsis of, of our conversations have been that you know, even if you hit 50 home runs and you play below average defense, uh, we're not going to win a world championship. Uh, what we need is we need a guy to play, you know, very high level defensively and to be able to communicate with Larry and the 11 pitchers and, and be an athletic defender. And by the way, also be a good hitter. But really switching the script and understanding that 80% of your grade, if we want to break it down to school, is going to be one is routine and conditioning. Number two is your English and your communicating skills with Larry and our staff. And number three is what you're talking about is catching, framing, blocking, and throwing. And then we're going to take 20% on your hitting, and that's how we're going to come up with a grade for you. And it's just rewiring of the brain a little bit, and I think he's really bought into it and putting a lot more emphasis on his conditioning, his body, and really dealing with the pitchers. We're talking with A-Rod about uh, the Yankees. Uh, You know, Pudge Rodriguez was in the studio because he has a book coming out, and he said, I never gave hitting a moment. All I did was prepare my staff and prepare for defense. I never prepared for hitting. You also played a demanding position, one of the key positions. So you played and also had to be in the middle of a lineup, and be counted on to carry a team offensively, but also play the demanding position, which you did uh, on a gold level. Gold level. How did did you prepare 
offensively? Did you give more of it early in your career to preparing yourself for the game defensively? How about you in terms of your preparation to play shortstop? Yeah, I, I certainly put a lot more emphasis on my defense because I realized early on, Michael, that if you come, in, come up as a shortstop and you hit 240 or 250, but you can play lockdown defense, they'll be patient with you, and you can actually you know, sneak in a couple of years early. If you're hitting 300 and you're throwing 40 or 50 balls away, you're going down to double-A AA or triple-A. And when I, early, when I did the Mets game earlier this year, talking about Rosario, one of the things that I would emphasize if I was advising that young man would be, you know, 80 or 90% of your thought process should be defense. It should be bunting. It should be hit and running. It's doing all the things that Terry Collins can sleep at night because he knows you're not going to blow a game. Now, if you do all those things and you hit 230 and 240, uh, we'll be patient and we'll let you come come along. Interesting. So you did spend more on defense, even though you were putting up big numbers on offense. You were, you did spend more of your time in preparation for your defense, and you think Sanchez has to do the same thing. I, I do, Mike, because when you think about hitting, uh, hitting, there's a magnet to hitting. You're always going to want to hit because that's what feels really good, right? It's like eating a nice, big, fat steak. Defense is integrity, it's character, it's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's more of a team game. Without it, you cannot win. And at the end of the day, you know, I've been with Gary for seven or eight years. We've never had one scout or one coach say, you know, Gary's hitting is really worrying me. It's never about that, right? It's about the conditioning, being in the tremendous shape. It's about, you know, he's now uh, has asked the organization that, uh, he wants to take English classes the, the minute the season's over. At least he's conveyed that with me. Maybe not with, with Cashman yet, but he will. Uh, all, these are all signs to me that he's understanding what we need out of him for us to win. You, you can't do it the other way around, Mike. You can't, you can't come out and hit 320 and throw 50 balls away. But you could hit 250 and make 10 or 12 errors, and, and you'll you play for a long time in the big leagues. What's wrong with A-Rod? Have you spent any time around Judge yet? I spent a lot of time with him early in spring training. Uh, we, we had a couple good meetings uh, early in the year, uh, once the year started in New York. Uh, so not, not as of late, but I'm really happy that over the last two or three days, um, he's starting to swing the bat a lot better. What do you think he – knowing you can walk – you've walked those shoes, you know, the, that mile in his shoes where you know when everyone's – the whole world's watching and getting all the attention and being the big star and everything else. Judge went through that all very fast this year, and the All-Star game was all about him, and, you know, the home run derby's all around him, and he has to come back and live through that. Do you think that stuff affected him, or do you think it was just – that he had to make adjustments to them just getting a book on him? Well, I think what happened, Mike, was, you know, very low expectations coming into spring training. Obviously, he came out of the gates on fire. Uh, he wowed the world. And really, he was really the story of Major League Baseball in the first half and the All-Star game. What happens is you give these American League, um, these American League pitching coaches and staff uh, four days to get Aaron Judge smart. And, and there's more video today than ever before. And they're studying metrics around the clock. The le- the league basically adjusted to him over the you know late July and early August. Now he's got to make his adjustment, and he's got to punch back. And he has started that over the last three or four days. 
You know, you know this, and you've seen it. These right-handed hitters at Yankee Stadium, they all have to know how to go with the pitch and hit the ball to right field. I mean, you did it. I mean, it, obviously, if you don't do that, you're going to have a hard time hitting a whole bunch of home runs in that ballpark. You've got to take advantage of hitting the ball fairly well, the right center, and it goes out of the ballpark. How tough an adjustment is that as these big right-handed hitters? I mean, look, the old stadium uh, was a lot more conducive for, for fly ball pitchers, and it was more of a pitcher's ballpark. This stadium is a bandbox. So for a guy like Judge, he must feel like he's playing in a 9-10 and 10 field. The biggest difference uh, from the first half to the second half has been pitch selection. In order for Judge to kind of continue to uh, develop and cultivate his skills, it's all about swinging a strike and having that discipline in the strike zone. So more than anything else, it's just about making sure that he doesn't swing at a lot of bad pitches, right? Absolutely. I mean, if he stays in the strike zone, uh, he's going to be very hard to deal with. And, you know, one of the things they're doing with him, Mike, is they're going north and south. You know, that four steamer upstairs, uh, there's a little bit of a blind spot. And then they're they're speeding him up. Slider away. Slider low and away, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he had. A, you could see him having a lot. He had a lot of trouble with that for about a month. He was getting a four seamer up and in, and then he's getting the slider low and away. Mike, if you think about it, the one hole that all of Major League Baseball has is the fastball at the mask of a catcher, and the reason why the new way of teaching is this Ferris wheel approach where people are swinging like a golf shot. It's science. If you're swinging up and your club head is down, the ball up, you're not going to be able to see it or hit it. And, and it's not only Judge, but there's a lot of people that just cannot hit that pitch anymore. No question. We're talking with A-Rod about uh, the, the young Yankees and uh, what these guys have done. You know, Clint Frazier, when he came here before he got hurt, when we saw him, he got a very quick bat. I don't know if you spent a lot of time with him in, in spring or in, in, uh, in camp this year. Did you see a lot of Frazier or spend any time around him? Yeah, we went to dinner, and, you know, he's built like a tailback. I mean, he is a brick house. Uh, he's a tough kid, and he's got a very short, quick, compact. You know, Michael, the more I think about it in today's day and age, if you think about players like Frazier and, and, and Murphy from the Nationals, people that have quick, fast, that can put the ball in play, that can actually hit the ball out of the park, are more valuable today than ever before because in a world where strikeouts are celebrated uh, and 200 strikeouts is totally fine, even if you're hitting 25 home runs, not 40, um, that's a problem because the, the teams that put the ball in play consistently when the game is on the line, going back to the Jeters and Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill's, uh, those are the kind of people that you need to win championships. If you're striking out 150, 200 times, that doesn't play one well October when you're facing one, twos, and threes that, that are actually strikeout pitchers. You know, Ava, one thing you notice, we always knew that, and you mentioned Murphy, who just figured out a way to just nail that low pitch in the zone and just turn it around for power, which uh, he clearly has you know, made his career on because he doesn't swing and miss. So when he goes down low, he goes in. Now he makes great contact there. What I notice more is forget lefties. We lefties are always going to uppercut the ball and they're always going to be low ball hitters. It seems to me now everybody's a low ball hitter. It seems to me, you know, if I go back to the days when I was a kid, there were big right-handed hitters and they seemed to like the ball more waist up guys like Harmon, Killebrew, and different guys. Now it seems everybody wants the ball down. That, that's exactly right. And, and what's happening, Mike, with the shifts, um, hard ground balls and line drives are not being rewarded. They're all out, and they're, they're hard out. So 
So as a result of that, to counter that, people want to get the ball up in the air. They want to get exit velo. In order to do that, you have to have a little bit of an uppercut. And when you have an uppercut, you lose your barrel. Your barrel goes down just like a golf club. And again, it creates that unbelievable uh, blind spot. Right? At, I mean, people like Clemens, Nolan Ryan, uh, Seabird, I mean, they will have a field day today more than ever because the four-seamer up is, is almost unhittable now. It's interesting. Uh, we're talking with Arod. You've now become a good golfer. I know very quickly. Did did you did your baseball ability help you in golf, or was it a completely different thing to learn in the dynamics of the golf swing to, from the baseball swing? Mike, you're very generous. I am not a good golfer. Well, I, 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 wait a second. I played at a course a couple of weeks ago, and the caddy told me that he caddied for you, and you shot seventy-eight at the course. Any guy can get lucky one day. No, but look, for me, unlike pitchers, it, it fought my baseball swing. So uh, during the season, I, I would hack it up pretty good. In the off season, I, I get down to a, you know a ten or twelve or, or thirteen handicap, and I had a lot of fun playing. But but how about would, the dynamics of no. the swing? How about learning that swing versus the base? Do you see elements that are that are teachable from the baseball swing to the or because of the wrist aspect of it? Is it completely different? It's, there are some similarities when it comes to weight shift and, and getting through the ball and relaxation that I think played well for both. Um, I was taught to stay on top of the ball and swing down on the ball. You swing down to get the ball up. Today, that's a foreign language. Uh, you know, that's the way when Barry and I talk about hitting, we always talk about keeping your shoulders very level and swinging down and, you, you know, the top hand being a very powerful hand because that makes your swing shorter. Today, Barry and I would be, you know, uh, kind of very uh, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the wrong side of that trade because, as you see sometimes with Judge, he gets a little bit um, tilted with his shoulders. Yep. And, it, and when he misses the ball, it's always underneath. You'll never see Aaron Judge swing over the baseball, especially on a fastball. His 99% of your misses are underneath. Well, they're so trying to Barry launch I, the ball. Know, they're trying to launch the ball. Exactly, exactly. You like that? You don't, so you don't believe in that yourself. I mean, it's not what you did, but do you, do you, if you were playing now, would you would you morph into that, or it, or would you do it your way? No, I would, of course I would do it my way. Um, and, and here's the thing, Mike. I don't think that you can win a championship with having four or five or six guys in a lineup striking out 160 times. Right. The last time a team led the world, the, Amer- the league, in strikeouts and won a championship was the 1938 Yankees. The three teams now that are in first place all strike out the least in the American League. So there is something at the end of the day, like Kansas City putting pressure on the Mets in the 2015 series. If you put the ball in play, is a math is a math game, right? You have 27 outs. You want to put the ball in play at least 20 times and let the, give the defense an opportunity to screw it up, especially in New York where there's so much pressure. Do the uh, we're talking with Arod about the Yankees? Do the Judge? Do you think the judge strikeouts, the fact that he broke the consecutive game record, if he's hitting, do you think the strikeouts bother him at all, and do they bother you at all? Do you think it's something he has to counter and he has to lessen, or do you leave him alone because of the numbers he's putting him up? I think judge is an exception because here's a guy that can hit 40 or 50 home runs, like I said, in spring training, but you can't have you know seven or eight guys doing that, right? So if you have judge that's going to hit you 40 or 50 and strikes out, you know, north of 200 times, you can deal with that. 
everybody else, I like to put him around people like Justin Turner and Daniel Murphy, uh, Johnny Damon of the world, Derek Jeter. And then you have one or two horses in the middle of your lineup that can actually hit the ball big fly. That, that creates good balance. Do you compare to me the differences, A-Rod, what you see from Stanton versus what you see from Judge? I think two different hitters. I mean, it's taken Stanton a minute to get going here. He's been unbelievable here the last 10 days. Been crazy. Um, but but he's, he's just a powerful force. Uh, he's now closed his stance. Uh, not so much grace, more brute strength. Um, and and a, a low line drive hitter, almost the likes of a Dave Winfield, um, probably with more power. A guy like Judge, um, I, I see a lot of me and Judge because – there's, he's not over-swinging. Uh, he's at his best when he's swinging at strikes. And he's also at his best when he's hitting a big part of the field, center field and right center. So more grace uh, from a guy like Judge, uh, more boot strength from, from a guy like uh, Stanton. And he has struck out 120. I just looked him up. He has struck out 120 times this year, Stanton. So he, and he has had plenty of years where he struck out 140, 140 times. So he's still striking out a lot himself. Uh, we're talking with A-Rod. You know what I notice about Sanchez, back to him, A-Rod, is when he's on his game like he's been the last couple of days since your lunch, he finishes up. He looks a lot like Paul Hulse. Yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Look, look Mike, we have a very special hitter in Gary Sanchez. We, we have a guy that can arguably, uh, when it's all said and done, could be one of the best right-handed hitters, uh, not only in the American League, but in the entire league. We just need to focus and give him what are the rules of engagement and get him, put him in a position with a routine that he can follow. And as a, as a little bit of the karate kid, wipe on, wipe off, he'll end up being the player we want if we just kind of give him the tools to get there. Yeah, he's struggling a little bit. You know, he's he he's got a great arm, which we know. He is struggling a little bit boxing that baseball. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I, you were never a catcher, so but I mean, you were a great fielder, but you were never a catcher. But he is struggling a little bit, especially with that ball down. He is having some problems with it, no question. Yeah, he, he had trouble uh, last night. I think in the seventh or eighth when we had Robertson there. Yeah, but you know, he's also thrown out three or four. I mean, his throws have been under two. Oh, he's got a great uh, arm. Yeah, great arm. His footwork's getting better. Look, it's a work yep. in progress, but as long as we keep him focused and working with Larry, and look, dealing with 11 pitchers, it is by far the most important thing any catcher has to do. By the way, it's also like dealing with, you know, uh, <laughs> 11 different partners. They're all different, uh, very challenging, and pitchers want to know, Mike, that the most important thing in your life as a catcher is the next pitch they throw. So that is something to really manage, and that's what guys like Joe Girardi – and, and, and Pud did so well back in their career. We're talking with A-Rod, who will be doing – when's your next game for Fox? Uh, I'm now in the studio in uh, September, middle of September, and then obviously all of October. What do you think uh, are the Dodgers with what they're doing right now, which is they are just unconscious? Are they unbeatable? Uh, if they played anyone right now, they are unbeatable, and I, I don't think they'll lose more than two or three games in the whole thing. I think they'll win 11 games more than two or three. The problem they have, Mike, is they want to start now. And, you know, right. it reminds me a little bit of the 98 Yankees. If yeah, they got them, a long time. They got a long time to the playoffs, you know. Yeah. That, that is a long time. So you, you, if you're them, you want to start tomorrow. I spent a lot of time with their owner, uh, Bowley. I spent a lot of time with Dave Roberts. And they so how do you going. keep that edge? How do you keep that edge for another six weeks? 
Yeah, that, that's you got to keep going through the stretch. You cannot get. I do not like when managers start, you know, pulling players. You right. got to keep that uh, foot on the accelerator twenty four seven, and and just be a killer, an assassin. Do not stop until it's over. That's amazing. I mean, you can compare them to the ninety eight Yankees. You can compare them to the. You can compare them to the eighty four Tigers. I mean, they have that. You know, the sixty one Yankees. They have an incredible team. What they've done over the last sixty seventy games has been unbelievable. You know, I knew they were good, Mike, but then I went down to City Field, and I did the game with Kevin Burkhart for Fox, and Kevin and I went over the day before on Friday, and by the time Saturday night came, I said, holy smokes, these guys are really, really good. There is an aura around them that's phenomenal. The job that Dave Roberts has done, I mean, look, the modern-day manager today, uh, and that's why I think Kevin Long can be a good manager, it's more like a CEO of a public company. You're basically getting information from your board and ownership, and you're transferring it to your to your shareholders, which are the players. And Dave Roberts has done a phenomenal job. What he's done with Puig is phenomenal. Puig is as happy he's as been. He's playing good defense. He's hitting eighth, and he's laughing about it. You know, all wow. the credit goes to Roberts. Did you? Ha- you've also do- you're also got a couple of shows you're doing with CNBC and everything. Have you done Shark Tank yet? Uh, I did, and that airs. How uh, was in it? The fall. How you know, I love, this, I love the show, Mike. I think I know, love the show. Say, you know, I watch the show with my kids. My kids love the show. They, I tell you, I think families in America, it's a great educational show for kids to learn about money and deals and everything else. It's, it's fun to discuss the products. I watch the reruns on, on CNBC with my kids. They love the show. I love the show. I mean, the debate among the guys, the competition. I mean, I don't know who you were on. Was Cuban on when you were on? Yeah, and Cuban's been a pal for a while, and he was he was great. Uh, and Mister Wonderful was on, I'm sure he was in the absolutely. middle, right? Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, the great, I, that, but that's <laughs> so, did you like it? I, I loved it, and you know, my, like my, like me, my daughters uh, Natasha and Ella, they absolutely love it. It's not only entertaining, but there's also there's an educational part of it. I you agree. Learn a lot, and, and it's probably made more entrepreneurs in this country than any other show ever. Did you uh, did you bid on any pro- Did you get any products? <laughs> uh, I did bid on on a bunch, and and on the I can't give away any clues, Mike. Right. But I got some good partnerships, and I think it's the first Sunday of October. That how good is that? I I, I I tell you, I love that show. That's great. That's a, that's a great being on that show. You know, you got enough money to be on that show too. You can actually go in there. <laughs> you can compete with those guys. Those you know, Mister Wonderful and those guys. They got a lot of cash. You know, Barbara Cochran. Those they got a lot of cash. Those people. <laughs> Uh, Mike, Mike, I've seen your contract. I think we have a chair. No, 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 no. I'm, I, listen, I'm still getting a paycheck. You guys are out of that league. You know that you got. You know, you, I'm, I just get a paycheck. I'm still an employee. Those guys own companies. You know, <laughs> Mister Wonderful sold his company for like three billion dollars. I mean, you know, he knows what he's doing. That guy. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, Mike. Tell me what you think after you see it. I will. Uh, and, and then you got the show with the players too. Uh, have, have you taped that yet or no? Yeah, so we're doing a show on CNBC called Back in the Game, and essentially it's taking players that went from rags to riches, back to rags. I love and that. That's a great idea. And there's a lot of players, too. It is. It's a very sad thing, Mike, and it's a little bit like the proffer with Marcus Lemonis where you go in there and essentially you don't give them fish. You teach them how to fish. And right. you build a process and you build a team around them so they can not only get back on their feet and pay some of their debt off, but something that's sustainable and actually can make your life better, which which makes you think a lot about that's a very reactive move. I'd love to get involved 
and build systems where you can start helping players at the beginning of their careers, not at the end once it's broken. You know that hey, you could be in a guy like you and the guys who have been successful in business. Uh, and I know people say, "Ah, oh, look how much money made." Yeah, hey, listen, you could have screwed it up as well as turned it into more money. You guys who have been smart enough to turn it into more money, you know what? You you guys could really help a lot of the players because so many of them mess up their money. It's unbelievable. I've heard that from coaches in the NFL and and from in basketball coaches a million times. How many players have come to them and say? Oh, I thought this guy was paying my taxes. I thought this guy was doing this. I gave this guy power of attorney. All of a sudden, they have no money. I mean, it ha- it's happened to some of the greatest players ever. I mean, it happened to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like a perfect example. He lost everything. You know, my, I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. It, it, it has a chance to be a good show. I mean, Joe Smith is, you know, obviously uh, 1995 first pick out of Maryland. You remember him. and Yeah, sure. Phenomenal guy. But, you know, the interesting thing is you never see great business people like a Warren Buffett, say, hey, Alex, I'm going to go into Yankee Stadium and I'll pitch to you, and if I strike you out, you give me a million. If you hit a home run, I'll give you a million. Right. And so they're, they're too smart for that, but at the same time, you have so many athletes that walk into the arena of business and want to do that, and they just get destroyed. Eight and alive. Plus, they don't. They get conned because they don't. They they trust people they shouldn't trust. You know, they got to have checks and balances. You got to have more than one guy running your stuff. You got to have one guy doing taxes, one guy doing uh, books, one guy doing business. Got to have different guys. A hundred percent check and balance. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like. That. So when does that air for the first? I like to see that show. When does that air? It should be a good one. Again, I think uh, Shark Tank and Back in the Game should be this fall. Oh, good, good. So you're busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> Absolutely, you got enough TV stuff going on. Hey, Mike, I mean, wh- wh- when are you and I going to co-host the show? You know, you, I don't you know. know. You, you've been the legend for thirty years. About inviting, you know, the old broken down uh, third baseman. Oh, yeah, some old broken down. You know what? Listen, <laughs> we'll have to come up with an idea. You already took all the good ideas. You know that. You know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm jealous you're on Shark Tank. I think that's unbelievable being on there bidding with those guys. You know, that's a, that's a lot of fun. Well, it's so much fun. I hope uh, the folks at home tune in. All right, thanks. Hey, listen, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for a couple of minutes. Okay, Mike, be well.